We welcome you to Open Court with Fairfield basketball coach Chris Casey. It's your podcast destination for Fairfield Hoops. Along with the coach, I'm Bob Huesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. And our special guest today is Stag's first-year guard, Jasper Floyd. Since we last joined you, the Stags have won three more games. That makes it six straight overall, Fairfield's longest winning streak in six years. And, Chris, if there is uh, one constant during this winning streak, something the team has done consistently well on a game-in and game-out basis, what would you characterize that as being? Um, I, I, would, I would say approach, Bob. I think our approach has gotten uh, really good. Uh, in terms of uh, effort during practice, uh, understanding that uh, you have to be about each other, uh, being locked in in preparation for the game of what we're trying to do, what our what our game plan is, and what we want to execute. Playing hard, uh, consistent attitude, no matter what's going on, whether it's bad, good, ahead, behind, good play, bad play, whatever it might be. Uh, I always feel like that's the foundation that gives you a chance to be good. And I really think that, that these young guys have done a very, very good job uh, with carrying that out on a daily basis. And, and I think that's helping us win a lot. You were also telling us before the Lemoyne game that uh, during some of your practices, you had some coaches uh, observing those practices. That's a commonplace uh, thing that coaches do. You invite other coaches in and get some feedback. And in this particular case, uh, a few of them told you that they noticed that this Fairfield group was as connected as any group that they had ever seen. How would you, in a basketball sense, define connectivity, and how does it apply to this Fairfield team? Yeah, that that did happen, and I shared that with the guys on the team because I wanted them to know that, you know, just like I think, uh, you know, negative body language and negative mannerisms scream. You know, and they really depict what you are individually or collectively. I think the opposite is true too. If if you're if you're about each other and you're picking each other up and the bench is into the game and you do that on a daily basis, I think that screams too and tells people what you're all about too. Um, and that did happen. A couple coaches came to practice, and that was their first comment when I talked to them after practice, and I shared that with our guys. And I think to answer your question, Bob, I think it's little things. You know, their comments were, you know, guys were slapping each other on the butt after plays. They were talking to each other about plays, about where they belonged on something, picking a guy up on a missed three or a missed layup or something like that. Um, and, you know, that, that, that stuff that these guys have really taken to heart and run with. And, um, you know, I'm being redundant, but I truly believe that that gives you the foundation for giving you a chance to win. Can uh, Chris, can you share with us who those coaches are, high school coaches, college coaches? or uh, One was a high school coach, came over just to watch practice. Local guy? Yeah, the other one was a junior college coach, came through, just wanted to watch practice. Uh, Jasper, what does that mean to you when uh, you hear coach and outside coaches talking about how this team is connected? How do you contribute to that, and uh, how do you sense it uh, being a part of what is making this Fairfield team click right now? Um, I just think it's uh, just going to help us moving forward and it's helped us, you know, through all of our losses and wins. And, you know, that's a testament to the coaching staff. He gives us a lot of credit, but, you know, it's it starts with him and the rest of the coaching staff and we just follow behind them. How does it compare to other groups you've been involved in? Um, well, some, some of my other teams, they weren't, you know, they, they weren't as connected as this one. And, you know, it plays, a, it plays a huge role because, you know, it makes sense. I, I see this team, you know, going on and winning a MAC championship, and that's going to be a huge part. And uh, some of my other teams, we weren't able to get that job done, and, you know, that, that's a big reason why. Chris, uh, we're at that point in the season where the team's uh, daily regimen uh, revolves uh, you know, mostly around basketball. Classes uh, don't resume now until January 16th. So how does that uh, change your approach in terms of the kind of work you can get done? And maybe uh, is it that time of the season where you can layer in a few extra things because you have a little bit more time to concentrate on that? Yeah, that I think this time of year allows you two things. The first thing it allows you to do is – to add some some stuff to what you're doing offensively and defensively, um, 
you know, guys can be, our guys have really done a good job of being focused, but you just naturally can be a little more focused without classes going on. Uh, and you have a little bit more time to get some things in. Uh, so I think that's the first thing we're able to do. And then the second thing, I think it's, you got like a, a mini summer during this period of time. And the summer is when you really improve your game. You get that extra time at the gym. You get your shots up. You do those things. Uh, so I think during this break, it's kind of like a little bit of a mini summer for guys. Uh, there's really nothing to worry about except playing basketball. Uh, and uh, that allows you a little bit of you know time to make your body recover and then come back maybe later at night, get some shots up, work on some things in your game that you want to work on. Um, and that's going to help guys play better individually, which I always believe helps your team play better collectively. So. Uh, this is actually for both of you or either one of you. This was always my favorite time of year because you didn't have to go to school. And you just played. You were like a pro. But also you got to hang out with the guys. I remember they used to put us in one dormitory here for obvious reasons. They didn't want to have to turn electricity on the other dorms or whatever. What goes on here? Like, what time do you practice? Do you go to dinner on your own? Do you have team dinners? Do you go to movies? Do you do things? Well, in your, in your, in you know, obviously when you have a game, there's not a whole lot you can do the day before. But I'm just curious, what what do you what do you have planned? What's your schedule, your daily schedule during the winter break? Um, all right, so I'll I'll throw a little bit out, Jasper, and you can jump Good. in wherever Good. you want Thank to you. jump in. So um, one of the things we do is we make sure we get them breakfast every morning. Uh, so we have breakfast available for these guys before practice. Uh, it's here, here in Walsh? Here, yeah, well, if we're practicing the arena, we'll have it down at the arena. If we're having it at Walsh, we'll do it at Walsh. Um, so that that way they can get up, they can get over here, get some breakfast, um, and then get themselves ready for practice. So we're doing that every morning during the break. They'll get breakfast. Uh, it's from one of the local restaurants who's done a, a good job helping us out. So, um, And I'll mention them because of that. It's Chips. They, they've done a wonderful nice. job helping us out. Uh, and then they'll get meal money for the other meals. I wanted to mix that up a little bit and provide some some food, and then also have a chance to you know buy their own groceries and, and make their own meals. And uh, we'll we'll pick a couple days where we'll we'll have a team meal together. So tomorrow afternoon, after practice, we're going to go to one of the local restaurants and just have a meal together, kind of switch things up a little bit. Um, there's really not a lot of time to do uh, other stuff. Um, you know, I, in the summertime, I like to, you know, take guys to an escape room and, you know, mm -hmm. I used to take the team at Niagara boxing and do some stuff like that, and, you know, just to mix it up. But it's a little harder to do that during the break because you have, um, you got league games on Friday, Sunday, and then you, when you give them a day off, you want it to be a day off and not bring them back for some. Uh, we have gotten some community service and we did a small clinic uh, as soon as we got back over in Bridgeport, which I thought went well, and we'll do another one during the break. But those are kind of the things that we focus on. And, you know, Jasper, I don't know, what else you got to add to that? Well, just some of the guys, which I think is a big part and a big part of the winning streak that we've been, you know, having. Uh, we've been getting in the gym together. So that's a big reason, you know, why we've been um, winning. And then another thing is we just all get together sometimes and just go eat and, you know, hang out do other things in the room and stuff, you know, play the game, watch watch football or other basketball games going on. So, I mean, it takes away from uh, a little bit of stress for, uh, for schoolwork. Well, we, we had a couple of guys that refused to spend that meal money they got. I think they're still living <laughs> off of it 40 years later. You, perhaps? No, hell no. No, 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 no. I was, no. When somebody gave me something, I took advantage of it. So, when you guys get together for meals – do you go McDonald's or do you go big? Do you go do you go to tablecloth restaurants? Il Pelicano, somewhere like that? I don't eat McDonald's. You don't eat, you I, don't I, eat. I try to stay away from all the fast food, but you know, usually it's like um like uh this Mexican spot, salsa fresca, um uh Chick fil A. Chick fil A is good. Just Even opened, though, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a new spot. But nah, usually like not not really the expensive restaurants. Gotcha. That, yeah. Uh, Jasper, coach, just mentioned the stress of the schoolwork, so I have to ask you now that you have one full semester, academic semester in, in the books, how did the team collectively uh, come through? I think we did pretty well. We're still waiting on final grades to come back. Yeah. But um, the staff and uh, 
the support administrative staff here do a pretty good job of um, staying in contact with professors and you know making sure guys are getting done what they're supposed to get done and our guys do a great job of that there's really not a lot of um, a lot of prodding we have to do with that I, you know we have a, a saying that we always use uh, men take care of their business and boys need to be taken care of mm-hmm. and um, these guys they do a really good job of taking care of their stuff they the only the only times we step in is, you know, if somebody needs a tutor, somebody needs a little bit of extra work, somebody's struggling to get connected with a professor and they ask us for help like, like that. Uh, the academic conversations we have are really not sit-downs about, hey, get yourself going, man. You're not taking care of your work. Why are you behind in this? Why are you behind in that? So uh, for the most part, the vast majority of those conversations are, uh, you know, how can we help, you know, and... Um, you know, it's just another thing that these guys do a good job of. Jasper, uh, how challenging was it for you? What was more challenging, uh, trans- transitioning to Division One basketball or transitioning to the academic uh, rigors here at Fairfield? Definitely academics, for <laughs> sure. And, you know, it's not really the um, – I forgot the word that you used for just it. Just the, the content? Time, yeah, like, yeah, 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 the content yeah. for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I can vouch for that. And also yeah. time management. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another yeah. big part of what you you try to uh, get that under control, which yeah. I'm sure as you move from the summer to where we are right now, you are much better at that yeah. than you were for sure. when things started. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but I, I used to put a couple of uh, my uh, elective courses off the senior year, hoping they would drop the courses so I wouldn't <laughs> have to take them. <laughs> Chris, uh, you came through the uh, non-conference part of the schedule with a record of uh, winning record, six and five. You're one and one in the MAC, and uh, seven and six overall. And now it's all MAC until uh, March. What were the areas of improvement as the non-conference schedule uh, moved along? What were the areas of improvement that you saw from this team that give you confidence that you are ready to go now as it's all MAC? right until uh, hopefully that last Saturday in, in mid-March? I, I think um, a couple areas. First is defensively. Like, I think if you watch us now defensively, we're uh, significantly more connected than we were uh, maybe about four or five weeks ago. I think we're, we're getting a better understanding of what we're trying to do. Um, I think we're communicating better. Like, I, I can hear us on the court. Uh, I can hear our voices on the court. And I think we're doing a better job of, you know, I always liken it to baseball. You know, if there's a runner on second and you're the center fielder, before the ball's pitched, the baseball, the, the center fielder's saying, all right, if it's hit in front of me, I got to hit the cutoff home. If it's over my head in the gap, I hit the cutoff and try to not let him get to third. Um, it's a fly ball. I got to be able to track it and then make sure he doesn't tag second or third. You know, you're going through those situations in your head before the pitch. Basketball obviously happens a lot quicker. Um, so you always want to defensively be able to anticipate what's going to happen and proactive reactions to it as opposed to letting it happen and reactive reactions to it. Uh, and I think we've gotten a lot better at that. And offensively, I feel like we're playing faster. Um, I feel like we got, we're doing a better job of involving more guys. I'd still like to see us get the ball side to side a little bit more. Uh, but I love our aggressiveness offensively. I think we have multiple guys that can make plays, that can shoot it, dribble it, get to the lane, and I, I want to foster that. I want guys to be able to do that, do it in the context of what we're doing, but know that, that you know we have the confidence in them to go make plays and that we want them to go make plays. Yeah, we'll talk more about that in a moment. I just wanted to stay on this MAC theme for a second because the mental part of it is also uh, something that is uh, important because now it's every conference game takes on its own uh, kind of importance. And do you have to preach that mentality, or is that something that kind of just uh, takes no, a natural I, form? I don't uh, – we really haven't preached it. We, we've really – what we talk about is just treating every practice and every game the same. You know, I, I saw – I'll go back to a baseball reference, and Joe will like this. You know, I saw an interview um, with Derek Jeter one time. And I remember they were asking him about what it's like trying to prepare for a World Series game. And and his comment was, well, I, I prepare for everything the same way. If you prepare for, for uh, spring training games the same as you prepare for regular season games, then it makes it easy to prepare for World Series games. You know, it's just the next game. 
And if you if you don't treat it that way, and you try to place more, obviously everyone knows there's more importance on a World Series game than a than a spring training game. But as a player, you shouldn't treat it that way, and it makes you more prepared for those World Series games. And I feel the same way about the MAC. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any difference preparing for Siena on Friday night um, as there is for preparing for Sacred Heart the other night when we played Sacred Heart, you know, three weeks ago. Um, so I, I think that's the way you have to approach it. And so I don't think there's any more mental preparation involved now because it's the league or there's any, any different type of, you know, you just let's let's go to the next game and let's prepare for it the way we just did for the last game. And I think that makes you as a player, it makes you a little bit calmer and it makes you a little more, more uh, have the ability to know, okay, this is what we do and this is how we do it. And I always like to make preparation 80% about us and 20% about them. I think it's more important what you do, you know. That being said, uh, I'll turn to Jasper and just ask you if you did notice – and I agree with everything the coach just said, but did you notice any difference when you played those two uh, MAC games in December against Ryder and Iona? No, I actually felt a little bit better playing against those those team, uh, two teams. And, um, you know, I just I feel really good going into MAC play now, and I think uh, we got a really good chance. I uh, said to Coach I'd follow up on a couple of things you were mentioning about the things you want to do well with this team. Um, you told us before the game against Lemoyne. Uh, I asked you about the identity of this team and how it's developing and what you want to see, and you kind of gave us a two-part answer. I thought it was good. You said, first of all, you want to um, X everything defensively. You started the answer to that question on the defensive end, and I wanted you to explain to our listeners what that exactly means. It means switching out, of course, and all the screens, but that being part of this team's identity why is that important to you? And, again, define for the listeners exactly what that entails, the pros and the cons of, of doing that. Yeah. Well, Xing is just the term we use for switching. So in any screening situation, whether it's an on-the-ball screen or an off-the-ball screen, uh, we'll switch it. So uh, one defender will take the cutter now, and the other defender will now take the screener. Um, so in this last game against Lemoyne, we did that. We, we did what we call X5, which is mean all five guys on the floor are X and everything. Um, there's games that we will go X4, which means we'll just X with one through four. When the five-man screens, we won't X that. Uh, and there is games where we've gone X one through three, you know, uh, against maybe teams that play a little bit bigger and maybe double post. Um, my, my main concern when we X is not so much um, guarding of the basketball, like putting Peyton on a guard. Uh, I think we do a pretty decent job of that. Um, and, and when we practice, we work on, you know, every guard plays post-defense. Every big closes out and guards one-on-one. So my thing is always every guy in his room can guard any position because it's what we do in practice. In practice, we work on those situations and guard them. My more of a concern is uh, around the basket when you switch, is just digging out defensive rebounds. I think we've gotten better at that in these last probably three weeks uh, to four weeks, and now we have to continue to get better at it. Like We have to do an even, even better job with it now as Mac play happens because I think we're getting some stops, and stops allow us to get out in transition, which I think we're very good at. Um, and that goes back again to we have multiple guys that can make multiple plays. Um, so so that that's my – I like the Xing part of it. I think it keeps guys in front of you. I think it takes threes away. Um, and I think it, it, it takes actions away, you know. Um, but I do think that's the big concern at that point is just rebounding the basketball on shots then off those Xs. So uh, offensively you talked about playing fast. We obviously can see that. And you also talked about, you know, putting pressure on people defensively. I might be wrong with this, um, but I thought maybe because it was Lemoyne, but you guys, right out of the jump, you were picking up full court on main field goals. Have you done that before, or is this something now you're going to do more of? Like it's automatic. Yeah, we, we've done it before. Um, I, I don't know that we've done 
uh, as good a job as I want at it, not so much from an effort standpoint, more so an understanding reaction standpoint. We just scored, get up. Now, if you watch that LeMoyne game, we did make an adjustment at halftime and get out of that and go to our half-court defense. And the reason we did that, because what started to happen was they run, they started to run on makes. And they were taking the ball out of bounds, and our guards are coming up to pick up, and then they're throwing the ball up the court, and they got a couple transition situations off that. So we I made remember, that adjustment yep. at halftime. So, you know, we're going to stay 50. Uh, we'll still X5, but we're going to stay 50 and try to take that away, which we did. I thought we did a pretty good job of it. Now, offensively, again, staying on that identity theme, you told me that uh, you want to be good at uh, two different tempos. One, the, the up-tempo, as you say, get out and run, comfortable doing that, and also uh, crisply executing your half-court offense. How close are you to being where you want to be ultimately uh, with that philosophy? I, I think we're moving in that direction. And I think each day we're taking steps forward with it. I'd still like to run more, and especially on makes, you know, and get out and be a little bit faster in transition. Um, I think that's always going to be a work in progress, again, because of our timeline when we started all this. It was October 16th, basically, when we started it. Um, so I, I would like to be a little faster. I do think we're making positive steps in that direction. Uh, and then in that second tempo, uh, you know, the last 18 seconds of the shot clock. Again, I think we're, we're doing a decent job of executing certain things. Um, in that LeMoyne game, there was a couple things that we called that we didn't react well to, you know, understand what we were doing. Um, I think some of that is because of the previous games we played, like FDU. FDU's not a run a lot of things against a team like FDU because they're going to make you play basketball. So you kind of now have to regroup and say, okay, now this is a team that's going to play you defensively in the half court. You can run some more things, you know, on walk-ups or dead balls, and now we hadn't done that in a few weeks other than practice. So it takes a minute to get back to that. And, again, the experience of our guys, they got to go through some of that to get good at. But it, it, you're, you're exactly right, Bob. I want to play both tempos. I want to run on every possession, and if we can't get something early in the clock, I want to be able to play that second tempo and execute when there's five defenders back. Uh, Jasper, you said um, you uh, have had very little adjustment to the style of, to the play, which we can see. Um, is this the way you're used to playing at Hillsborough? Is this the way you've been brought up in your high school to play fast? Um, in high school, no. My coach is – Run the play. This is what we're gonna do, and then if you so he overcoached you. No, yeah, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I said that. You didn't. I mean, it helped me. It helped me, and you know, now when we we run plays, and you know, we gotta go through certain things. Um, I'm better at it. I'm better at picking stuff up, and you know, other other guys aren't really as good as that. Um, but you know, I'm thankful for that. But no, um, I like I like playing this way, and. You know, to be able to switch it up sometimes, uh, I think it's good for me and for my game and then for the team also. So, uh, Let me just commend you on what you just said. And I, I, to this day, I tell people I've never had a bad coach in my life. Mm. And the fact that you defended the coach, which you could have criticized because you, no one likes to play half court. Who wants right. to play in the 50s? You learned from it. I think that shows a lot about your character. Yeah. How so. about um, – Adjusting defensively to Division One basketball, Jasper. Uh, what's the learning curve there been like for you? Um, growing up, I've always like tried to affect the game on the defensive end, and so that's really um, my first thing that I try to do is you know just try to be disruptive on defense. Um, but you know sometimes I just take a little bit too much risk, um, whether it's reaching in or you know gambling for the steal off ball and. You know, that's the biggest adjustment I got to do. They make better reads at this level, and, you know, I just got to stay solid sometimes and, you know, pick the best best uh, times to, you know, take risks and chances. So. Well, Jasper, I want to jump in on that too. You know, uh, that there's some truth to that, but I always think you, you weigh things basically on positive versus negative. And if it's, it's more so on the positive side than the negative, you kind of just roll with it and – you know, there's times I do say to you, hey, be smart about that gamble. Uh, but I think 
the ones you do go for, it's much more positive than negative. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I, I'm never, uh, for me, I'm never going to handcuff that. I, I would rather deal with the one or two situations where you miss, but let you go get hits. No doubt. You know what I mean? And I think Jasper does a really good job of that. And to his credit, too, I mean, he had five steals in the last game. He's right. our probably, him and Jalen are our two best guys now at digging down on the post and causing turnovers. Right. Um, and, um, you know, he, he's gotten better at, you know, calculated gambles, you might call them, you know. But I'm always going to I'm always gonna say, hey, go swing the bat, you know, because uh, we're getting a lot more positive out of it than negative. I guess I'm getting okay to just – Go get everyone. <laughs> he said it publicly, so you can do what you want now. I was just going to say, this may be the this is pretty cool. First time I think we've had uh, a player coached up during the podcast. <laughs> well, can I say something to you? When you get in a position where a coach says that, kind of gives you the green light, he's not giving it to you. You've kind of earned it. You know, whoever says, when you go through a career and you score 2,000 points and the coach says to you, well, you know, coach give you the green light. That's a lie. No one gives you anything. You earned it. Mm. You earned it from the first minute. They started to recruit you. They saw something. And we'll get into that later, though. Yeah. Um, I, you're part of a starting five that, uh, well, it's Jasper, Caleb, uh, Jalen, Louis Bleachmore, and the freshman, Peyton Smith. Uh, Bryson off the bench. James John Jr. at the four as a backup to Louis. And then you have Barima now as the backup at the five. A, what's made this rotation so effective? And B, this is just me making a statement. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I mean, this is going to be the rotation. I imagine, you know, knock on wood, health's willing that uh, you go forward with. Yeah, I, I, you know, honestly, Bob, it sounds like coach speak, but I think we got a starting eight, you yeah. know, because I think you could start Parima for Peyton and not lose anything, and James for Louie and not lose anything, and – you know, you could plug uh, Bryson in there in the starting lineup and not lose anything. And I think there's eight guys there that can start. And, again, credit to these guys. You know, they're, they're more concerned about winning the games and picking each other up than they are sitting there going, well, I'm going to get pouty because I didn't start, you yeah. know. Um, so we really don't have that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw, like, another bouquet here to Jasper. Like, if you watch our – our team like at timeouts at times I think the leadership of our team helps that so much and you know our four captains help that um and Jasper even though he doesn't have that title and we had this conversation he absolutely helps it like there's huddles that I don't have to go in you know or where I'm meeting with the coaches before we go in the huddle and he's in the huddle talking and I'll make my coaches meeting longer so he can talk you know and I think that's important because I I mean, Joe, you've done this a long time. You've been around it. You know, coach-coach teams are never as good as player-coach teams. They're just not, you know, because the players have both feet in. And they're. And I want to get to a point, like, I came up and talked to you the other day when you came in for shoot-around, and I purposely went up there in the middle of the shoot-around and told these guys, hey, this is what we're doing next, and walked away because I wanted them to say, hey, this is what we're doing, and take it on. And they did, and they basically ran with it without me there. And I think that's what good teams are able to do. No doubt. Jasper, is, um, now Coach told us much earlier this season that he considered you and, and Louis Bleachmore two first-year players to this program, uh, unofficial captains, which is quite a compliment. But is it something um, that comes naturally to you? Or have you always been a natural leader? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I just watch, like, you know, some of the great point guards growing up and hear certain stories about them. And, you know, I want to be one of the great point guards. So, you know, to be one of those, you have to, you know, show the leadership and, you know, play that role. So, Who were some of the point guards you emulated growing up? Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Rajon Rondo. Mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo, from, from that standpoint, not my game, but from the leadership standpoint, you know, the role that he took on and, you know, it really helped this team. Uh, Coach also talked about how you're a high-energy player in practice, Louis as well, Louis Bleachmore, and also Barima Sek, you've uh, said, is one of those high-energy guys and uh, does things in practice that really can elevate a team. Uh, he is slowly but surely working his way back from that high ankle sprain. 
you told us before Lemoyne that he was at 70% uh, going into that game. Uh, where is he now, and uh, when do you, th- if you can make a guess as to when you think he may be hitting that, you know, full, full threshold, 100%. I think he's probably in that 70 to 80% range right now, and I think he's going to hit his full threshold probably at the end of the month. Um, part of that is 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 um, the recovery from the injury, and then part of it is being back on the court playing. Uh, you know, it's a long time to be out. He was out a good 10 weeks with that injury. Um, and he's really back, what, two weeks now, Jasper, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. He's really yeah. been back two weeks that he's actually practicing yep. and playing in the games. So mm-hmm. he needs the experience of going into games um, and, and uh, you know, execute what we do as well as the recovery from that injury. I think those should be kind of uh, come together maybe towards the end of the month. And And that being said, He's helping us tremendously the way he is right now. Yeah. You know, he's been a huge impact on what we're doing. So, you know, I think that's a great positive because to think of him getting 35, 30, 35% better between now and the end of the month, that's only going to help our team. So, Well, this guy has certainly helped the team uh, statistically, and we've already talk, talked about some of the intangibles, but, I mean, the numbers for Jasper are incredible. Uh, you rank in the top five in uh, four different MAC categories, you're number one in steals, number two in assists, number four in assist-to-turnover ratio. You're number four in free throw percentage. You're top 15 in rebounding, including 10 against Lemoyne, and uh, top 20 in scoring. You're averaging uh, 11.5 per game. So all that being said, how confident were you coming out of junior college making the leap to Division One, that you could hit those kinds of numbers your first time through? Um, I've always been confident in my ability, and that comes from the work that I put in. And, you know, I'm just thankful that I was given this opportunity to, you know, be able to show, showcase my abilities on this level. Um, and I'm thankful for – I always – I wake up, and when I go to sleep, I thank God every day for putting me in this position and putting the people around me in this position, my parents – and then this coaching staff, you know, I'm just I'm thankful for this for this opportunity because it could be different. It could be different. And I know some people that, you know, they have a different um position and you know, I'm just thankful for that. I, I'm actually gonna ask you to take a couple steps backwards and tell us where you grew up, uh, why you went to junior college. Um I also wanna know, um, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners wanna know, what were the final schools? that you had it narrowed down to and you know why did you choose Fairfield so I asked you a bunch of things there start from when you were a little kid um growing up I grew up in Tampa Florida um um I got six siblings two brothers four sisters um mom and dad they've always been there helped us out that's from the Bronx dad from the Bronx mom from Cleveland (laughs) and you know they just always gave us what we needed and you know, I'm really thankful for them. Um, one thing about them that I take up upon is that they're never satisfied. Like, whatever, however successful they become, they always want to go for more. And, you know, that just helped me, you know, growing up. Um, I went to Warren High School in Tampa, Florida. Um, coming out of high school, uh, what really messed me up, I had a couple of um, Division One schools interested, but I didn't have the uh, good enough grades to go there. So um, I took a post-grad year with my dad, and then I went to junior college at Northwest Florida. Um, I started out, I didn't play that much in the beginning, but, you know, my coach always said, you know, stay with it. You're you're great for the team. You know, you're a natural-born leader. You do all the little things to help our team win. So, you know, going into conference play, I started playing more and more minutes. Um, he ended up starting me a couple of games. And, you know, going into the tournament, you know, I was a big, big part of, you know, helping us um, win the national championship. And, you know, that was a special run. Um, then I transferred because my coach got a coaching job at New Mexico State. So I transferred to JUCO, um, uh, Hillsborough Community College. Tell them the best thing about Hillsborough. <laughs> the George Steinbrenner Field. Right, right next, next door. <laughs> <laughs> Literally right next door. You can right stand up and get that one in, Joe. That was start. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm so, sorry. Um, and and after Hillsborough, who were the schools that were recruiting you? Hillsborough. Um, so it's 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 crazy because I had Marshall. Um, after I had a big game, Oklahoma State called. 
um, UNBC, and then the day I committed to Fairfield, Utah called me and they wanted me to come. Um, but I I didn't really see myself like as um as my best as the best fit for me at any of those schools because Fairfield told me that you know they wanted me to come in and be a big big part right away. And those schools, you know, they wait, they waited around and they was trying to see other people that they could get from the from the portal. And that's why I chose Fairfield because, you know, they showed me the most love and you know opened the doors right away. How familiar were you with Fairfield? Uh, how many times, for instance, had you even been to the northeast part of the country? I've been to the northeast a couple of times. Your dad's from the Bronx, as yeah, uh, Joe so, pointed out. Um, yeah, I've been here, but I was not familiar with Fairfield at all. I knew Canisius. And I knew St. Peter's because my dad had a uh, a kid go to Canisius and St. Peter's um, from his post grad school, so I knew I knew those two schools, but I didn't know like what conference they were in. I just knew the schools, and so I wasn't familiar with Fairfield at all. You mentioned uh, winning a national junior college championship when you were a member of the uh, Northwest uh, Florida State team. Now, any national championship is meaningful, mm-hmm. and you take something away from that, I'm sure, and look at that team and see what the attributes were of that team. And now that you can compare it to what you're seeing develop here with this Fairfield team, what are the common themes? What are the things that you see maybe that is brewing here with Fairfield that you saw that resulted in a success, the ultimate success at Northwest uh, Florida State? So something I've seen that I see now is that we're really connected and you know it was a stretch um during our run uh during conference play we lost like our last three games in a row but we were all just like we got to move on to the next thing you know there's something bigger and better for us and when we started out our season you know we lost you know first six out of seven i think and we were all you know um, very positive and we was like we got it we got to keep working and you know move on to the next thing there's bigger and better things and that's the main thing I think we stayed together really well after um, you know some of the losses or even some of the wins we're not satisfied you know we we want to um, fix the things that we did um, bad and you know we want to keep doing the things that we did well so that's the biggest thing staying connected. You've mentioned your father several times um, he's obviously an influence in terms of uh, life and in basketball, uh, with basketball particularly, how has he uh, been your mentor? His his name. Tell our listeners that uh, you're Darwin Floyd. Darwin Floyd, um, biggest influence on my life for sure. Um, you know he he's been a part of this game, and you know he has a lot of friends, and he grew up playing this game, and you know he knows a lot of coaches and stuff. Um, you know, he's just everything to me. It's I can't even describe. It's too much things, you know, to say. But, you know, I listen to him a lot, and, you know, he gives me good insight. Sometimes he tells me crazy stuff, and I can't listen to him sometimes. But, you know, <laughs> Like old school stuff, yeah, right? It's old, all crazy. old school, yeah. yeah that's but, the Bronx coming out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. But, you know, uh, I take it all in, and, you know, I just that's just me being a kid sometimes. So, you know, I'm thankful for it and everything he's done for me. Last year's point guard on this team was Caleb Fields, and um, he he looks clearly more comfortable at the off-guard position. How have you helped him, and how has he helped you so far here at Fairfield? Um, I wouldn't really say I've helped him, you know, in certain, um, you know, certain ways maybe, but, you know, he helps himself, you know, by putting in the work and, you know, doing what he does best on the floor. Um, going back to my dad, this is a crazy part. Uh, he told me when I when I said I was gonna come here, he said that you can you can really help Caleb. You know, he's a scoring guard, and you know they played him at the point last year, but you know he could score. So so me coming in, you know it'll take some pressure off him having to set up everybody. No, just go just go do what you do, and um, I just try to you know you know uh, help keep everybody involved. And you know he he's a really good scorer. And, you know, it takes some pressure off me because, you know, they got to worry about him and, you know, the rest of our guys that we got that can score. But, you know, I, I think um, I do a pretty good uh, job of, you know, help setting people up. And, you know, he's a big reason why. For sure. 
You're part of uh, what's becoming now a, a vaunted four-guard rotation here at Fairfield. Now, Caleb was our previous guest on this podcast, and we asked him to describe you, and the word he used to describe you was dog, which was a compliment. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you to do the same for uh, those three other guards. Uh, if you could just give us a quick description of personality-wise of Caleb and Jalen and Bryson. Dog, 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 dog. Yeah, I knew that was coming. I like that. Dog, <laughs> dog, 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 dog. And I like it because, you know, Coach, he, he puts us, like, in practice, he kind of, you know, he puts us on the same team a lot of times. And, and we get it. We understand that we have to be on the same team because, you know, in the game we're, in the same, we're on the same team. But we like to go at each other. And that's a big reason why, you know, we're um, developing because – we we want to see uh, each other do well, but we also want to outdo each other. And I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, that's just helping each other, you know, um, iron sharpens iron. And, you know, it's going to help us because if if somebody's playing really well, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna try to outplay him. And that will just help us all, all together. So, I mean, yeah. I, I have to um, do the word picture thing here and – Tell our audience that when you answered the question, dog, 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 you got a high five from Chris Casey. <laughs> and he was also nodding his head when you answered the question or you described in your answer how it's a, it's a good thing that you guys want to outdo each other. Um, I, I want to ask you about one game in particular, and I don't like to do this often because it's part of the past, but um, you had an extraordinary game at Yale, which is one of the really good wins that a Fairfield team has had in recent years and maybe the signature win during this six-game winning streak. Uh, describe what was special about your game that night individually and also what it meant uh, to the team to uh, do what you did. You were down 10 on the road, five minutes to go against a really good team and, and came back to win that game. How does that game stand out to you? Um, it stands out, but, you know, I always – you know, going into the season, I always known that, you know, we could be really good teams. And moving forward, I think we could be really good teams. Um, before the Ryder game, after we lost to Iona, I texted Caleb Fields and I told him, um, we got to stop putting the blame on, you know, the rest of the team and stop making it, um, you know, about everybody else. Um, this is a guards game and, you know, we need the bigs, but as two of uh, two of the lead guards, you know, we have four lead guards, but as two of them, we got to be able to take over the game at the end of the game. And um, I know he's capable of it. I know I'm capable of it. And at towards the end of that game, that's what happened. He took over. I took over. And, you know, we know we needed that win. And, you know, that was a big part of it. So it was special for us and special for the team. That's an excellent answer because it's kind of a template for the kinds of things that you can do going forward. It also uh, transitions into uh, some news we have. Uh, Caleb Fields is the uh, MAC Player of the Week announced uh, just yep. a, a few hours ago. And uh, Coach, uh, you said uh, to us when we talked about it that Jasper could have been a co-MAC Player of the Week. And I think that's the great thing about this team is that um, not only on any – during any given week, any given night, any of these guys are capable of stepping up and putting out the kind of performance that, in this case, gets you the accolades that Caleb in this particular case got. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, and Jasper could have easily been a co-player of the week. This, I mean, his numbers against LeMoyne, he's got 13 points, 10 rebounds, 5 steals, 5 assists. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's a great game. You know, just like Caleb's 27 was a great game. And, you know, if you look at look at some of these other games, like Jalen's had a couple back-to-back -back, uh, 20s where he could have easily gotten it and, and didn't. And Bryson's had a couple performances where he could have gotten it and didn't. Sometimes it's the timing of what, sure. you know, where it is. And um, I hope all four of them get it at least once. Uh, that I would love to see that happen. All four of them get it at least once. Um that's not the most important thing, obviously, but they're working at that level. They're enjoying playing with each other at that level, um, and I'd like to see it happen for all four of them at some point during the season. Um, and if you ask them about that, their response is going to be, yeah, that'd be nice, but I'd rather win the games. Mm -hmm. you know. And that's why I, I love them and the rest of these guys because that's what they're about. 
Well, we've reached that point of the podcast where it is the Alexis Yetna <laughs> update. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do this oh, much, oh. Ahead, you, It's all yours. <laughs> the last time we uh, we brought this up, uh, mid, mid-January was the target date. Maybe not hit that target date, but it's actually not so much about a target date, but making sure that he is 100% physically ready to go when he uh, walks out onto that floor in a Fairfield uniform for the first time. So forget the target date, unless you want to go there. How is he doing physically in terms of the work he has to get done? Uh, Before I go into that, let me just preface it with saying uh, Lex is working his butt off trying to get back. He really is. And, um, you know, he'd like to be back yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, with the injury he has, it's going to take a minute for him to be healthy. Uh, he's definitely, definitely making progress. I watched him in the gym the other day putting a little work in and moving around, and he's moving more, more like a basketball player now, you know, which is something that he needs to get to. So we're still hopeful for mid-January. I don't know if that's going to end up being a target date or not. Uh, but what you said, Bob, is what we had talked about. The most important thing is when he comes back, I want him to be Lex. I don't want him to come back, you know, and risk injury or not be able to move the way he wants to move or play the way he wants to play. Um, so, you know, he's putting the time in, and he will be back. Uh, and when he is, we're going to be, as a group, very happy that he's back and he's going to contribute to our success, success just like everybody does. Um and uh, he's already, I, I text him over Christmas about this, and he may or may not realize it, but even though he's not on the floor playing, he's had a, he's had a huge impact on us. Watch him on the bench, you know. He's constantly into the game. He does it during practice. Um, he, he vocally leads. He, he's always got something positive to say to guys to pick him up. That has an impact on a team, you know, the more guys that do that. So... I wanted to make sure he knew that, you know, you're not on the floor and, and in the uniform, but you're having a big impact on us. You know, keep doing that. And that's going to help you heal faster and help you get back quicker. And uh, also the last time we did this podcast, uh, Mike Rogan, I think, was going in for surgery literally the next day after we recorded it. Um, so he's gone through the surgery. Now the rehab process begins. Why don't you give us the latest on Mike? Yeah, his surgery, uh, very successful. Um, and now, well, like you said, Bob, he's just got to go through the rehab process. We had him FaceTime the team meal the other day before the LeMoyne game. He's got a surgery, surgery beard going right now. He hasn't shaved <laughs> since the surgery. So I thought it looked pretty good, too. We might want to keep that. Um, but he's uh, he was going to try to make it back here for the LeMoyne game and then stay on campus. He's not quite ready to do that yet. He's got to get stitches removed uh, from the surgery. Uh, but I do think, like, in the next week or so, he'll be back. He'll be back with his teammates, and he's just got to make sure he can function in the dorm and in the room and, and be able to do what he needs to do to, to, to function. But he's very anxious to get back here and be with the guys. Next game coming up for you guys is uh, Siena. So it's the next game at hand. So we'll ask you what are uh, the things that concern you about Siena, the matchup, and uh, taking them on and getting this max season off to a uh, successful restart. Yeah, we're looking forward to this one and, and to be able to just get back to concentrating on the league. Um, they're good. They're well coached. They always are. Uh, they're going to be big and they're going to be physical. Um, you know, the important things for us defensively is we're going to have to speed them up, heat the ball up a little bit, make them play a little bit faster than they want to play. Uh, we need to do a good job on um, uh, Derek Gordon and uh, Elay, both those guys. They're capable of putting up 30 point games. Um, so we have to make it a difficult night for them, you know, where they, they take volume amount of shots but don't make as many of them as they normally do. Uh, we're going to have to do a good job of defensive rebounding of the basketball. Uh, they are big, and they do rebound the ball offensively. So the more stops we can get and get out and transition, that's going to be to our advantage. Uh, maybe use our quickness, speed, and athleticism a little bit versus that size. Um you know, so that'll help us offensively to get out and, and, and run. And then we got to cut back on some turnovers. I don't think we're having an inordinate amount of turnovers. Um, it's certainly not out of control, but we need like four or five less a game, you know, and give ourselves those possessions back. Uh, but I think those things are going to be important against them. And Joe, 
It's the part of the podcast where I say any final words. Yeah, I was just thinking about this. Um, so Christmas just came and went like that. You didn't get the thing you wanted. This is for both of you. In regards to this team, what's the one thing that you want for this team? Um, you mean a, what or I, you need? What I need for for this? Whatever you want, whatever you need. What 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 do you think is the most important thing you need for this team to be successful? I want these guys to just keep doing what they're doing in terms of staying together. That's what I and keeping their attitudes 100 percent right and being for each. That's what I want. And I, I firmly believe I'm being redundant from earlier in the podcast, but that, that gives them a chance to win. I love being around them. I'm having so much fun coaching them. They're a great group of guys, and I want to see them do that so that they can see what type of reward they can get from being that. Because I also think that that's going to help them later in life, whether it's playing professionally, whether it's being a dad, uh, whether it's being an employee or owning their own business or whatever it might be, whatever they endeavor as they go forward, I think that's going to that's gonna help them tremendously. So that that's what I want to see. I want to see that. Jasper? I would just say we just need another day, another day of life. And, you know, that's something special. So another day. And I know but once we get that chance and opportunity, we're going to take advantage of it. So You're a big part of it, Jasper. Uh, continued uh, luck as uh, you continue your Fairfield career. Uh, I'm sure there it's hard to believe that I'm saying there are better things that probably lie ahead for you, but I, I imagine there are. So continue good luck uh, with your Fairfield career. Glad to have you on board. Thank you. Thank you. Chris, as always, thanks for the time and good luck as you get back into uh, Mac play. Thank you, guys. And that'll do it for this edition of Open Court. Next up for the Stags, as we've been saying, back to the MAC conference play the rest of the way, starting with a Friday night game at Siena, then back home to play Maris this coming Sunday, January 7th. Buffalo trip is coming up soon. Looking forward to that, Jasper? For sure. <laughs> it's going to be cold, though. That's uh, Chris Casey's old stomping grounds up there in western New York as the Stags make their annual excursion to Buffalo. They take on Niagara January 12th, and then they play at Kinesis January 14th. Our next podcast drops shortly after the Stags return from Buffalo and a few days before Fairfield takes on St. Peter's on Friday, January 19th. So for Chris Casey and our special guest, Jasper Floyd, for the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis, and our podcast engineer, Wyatt Dossie. I'm Bob Usler. Thanks for listening to Open Court.